0: Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the coconut trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is August 11th, 2022. From Jakarta, I'm Andra Nasre.
1: And from Manila, I'm Sam Beltran.
0: Hi, Sam. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. Um, Just a bit of news for our listeners. Samuel contracted the c word over the past week was it has it been it's been a week hasn't it
1: it has well it's like yeah it's a little less than a week uh i don't know it's really it really kicked my butt but like i told you i am kicking its butt back so here we are and yeah i'm just glad it it didn't get to my throat really because i mean that was shitty
0: yeah you sound you sound normal by the
1: way. Yay! Really? Oh my yeah. God. But the first few days were shit, though. Like, honestly, I sounded like the old lady in Monster Sync. You didn't file your paperwork last night. Don't let it happen again. That's exactly yes. what I sounded like. So
0: tell us, tell us. Where, where do you think you caught it?
1: I think people who have been listening know that I went to Singapore recently. But to be fair, I do think that I got it on the plane ride back home in close quarters some thousand feet up in the air with people coughing with no masks on and that air just circulating around for hours. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, not the best. Yeah.
0: You did tell me that on that flight, you were uh, with your husband. I was. Who did not catch COVID.
1: Amazingly, yeah. He did not. So yeah, I mean, we've been quarantining together because he's pretty much been exposed to me since day zero, right? But amazingly he's never caught any symptoms as of yet so i'm really happy because he's been taking such good care of me and making me all these yummy 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 dishes and i wouldn't know how to return the f- the favor to be honest if he got it back
0: he's probably just really really fit so well done mark and um yeah i'm sorry that i mean you did tell me that snogging was obviously the furthest from your mind ha, over the past week
1: i know <laughs> so, so that's oh my probably god! The worst like, right? honestly, just any semblance of sex drive just went out the window. And I mean, like, when, when you're dealing with the death of your throat <laughs> and all these other symptoms, like, it's honestly the last thing that you want to be doing anyway. Like, there's no way that you are going to feel sexy in any way while doing it. So
0: I yeah. beg to differ. I, what i mean if it were me if i were bedridden right the only thing that wouldn't be standing up is my body but not oh my
1: god oh my god i i feel so sorry for your wife who has to feed you your medicine loves it and oh my god and and just make sure you're okay and then have to Oh my God! And deal. No, with no, 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 that no, shouldn't no, no, no! I've never done that. Standing up. I've never done that. Oh my
0: God! When I, whenever I came down with like a fever and anything like that, I've never actually done that. Please do not paint me as this like king. Sex crazed. <laughs> sex crazed king who had to be, who had to be served by his concubines or whatever like at every oh given my moment. God. No, that's not that's not me. No, no, I I totally get what you mean, but good to hear that you're on the mend thanks uh, you're you're obviously on the road to recovery and i do hope that you actually knock that shit out soon
1: i know thanks and uh, i really really hope to be a hundred percent just so snugging can be back in the picture
0: yay go <laughs> mark
1: yay <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> anyway let's anyway go into the top stories from the coco verse From a man painting artwork with his peepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. What better way to kick off this week's episode than to go to Bali, where we're joined by Coconuts Bali Managing Editor Amal to talk about a certain right wing Australian politician. Hello Amal.
2: Hey. Hi, Amal. Oh sorry. Hi Sam. Or should I say good day mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Don't do that again, please. Um
0: <laughs> sorry. it's it's enough oh, it's God. enough that one Australian politician pretty much offended Indonesians. Let's be the bigger men here. And okay. uh you know be respectful and to the people down exit. under <laughs> <Got it>. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Ma Pauline Hanson. Um, yeah. If you don't know who that is, that is e- a controversial right-wing politician, basically the female Donald Trump of Australia. Oh
2: no! Oh no! Oh no! 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 Like to put into context, like I met this guy from Australia, and he described watching her is like watching a train wreck like every single thing that come out from her mouth is like, oh my god, you can't see that. You know what I mean? So like, mm. it's so it's kind of entertaining in that sense. So
0: what did come out of her mouth about Bali this time?
2: As we, to put in context, uh, I think we all know at this point that there's a food and mouth disease outbreak in Indonesia. And as some of us know, like two things that to put into consideration is like one, church from Australia remains one of the, top travelers uh, coming to Bali which is part of Indonesia the second thing that people need to be aware of is that Australia is very um, dependent on ar- agriculture it's pretty understandable actually that when they're scared that the food and my disease will go down under since Bali is part of Indonesia and many Australians go there so she is basically somehow she make up the story that Bali is a place covered with cow shit <laughs> <laughs> and then people yep. just step on it and then like they will return to australia and then bring the disease back there
1: that is ridiculous and that's really racist
2: yeah <laughs> she, she, i mean this is the, i mean this is the same person who basically an islamophobe and like anti-immigrant so like I mean, I'm not saying I'm not defending her not at all, but like on the other hand, it's like if you look at it, like if, it's not really um, surprising for someone like her to say something like this. Like she said, like cattle shit on the ground, people walk in that shit. That shit's then brought yeah. back in their clothing, and their person, and back to this country. This country, you know. I mean, uh, I mean that's how she speaks. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> and oh, by the way, she described Bali as a country. Of course, um, she did. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we of course just... she did. <laughs> Well, what Pauline Hansen did basically struck the nerve of many Indonesian officials because they're they're trying to rebuild Bali tourism. Mm, So on the other hand, like I understand why they feel the need to say something. And I'm just here for all the shades (laughs) that that (laughs) the the, the Indonesian officials say. Like, for example, like our tourism and creative economy minister, San Diego Uno. Well, at first he was like being... Politically correct, because he was like, well, what, what the person said is not based on facts. Uh, please do not insult Bali. And then he, uh, San closed it by saying like, and FYI, Bali is not a country. Perhaps Hansen did not take uh, social science classes. Next time, please check with Google. Thank you. <laughs> and then like the spokesman of our Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, Mr. Tuko Faizesha, uh, actually texted him about it. He said like, uh, it's actually useless to comment on a narrow minded person like her, yeah. uh, which I think we all agree. And then he said that based on Pauline Hansen's statement, like it's obvious that it should be questioned that has she ever been to Bali. So mm. like because what she, the way she described Bali doesn't really um, portray Bali as we know. To be fair though, well this is me as a journalist. <laughs> I'm not saying that we, we you can't find cattle shit anywhere in Bali. I have this good friend, and every time I pick her up from her house, like there's a cow ship everywhere, like toward toward <laughs> on the small street, on this small street toward her house, because uh, there's a cow farm there. So yeah, there should. So I'm not saying that you can't find a cow ship anywhere, but the thing is like do way hands and describe it like it's as if it's anywhere. You know what I mean? So so we just not Right. True, like. Yeah, it's not everywhere. Of course you can find it, but but like mm.
0: it's not in the cities and like and not in tourist hotspots. Like, yeah. like it'd be near impossible to find there, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. Another thing that people need to bear in mind is like Bali is gonna host the G twenty later uh, this year in November. Right. So they've been trying to up their game when it comes to make sure Bali clean. Of course, the cynics will say, like, "Oh, yeah, it's just lip service." Yeah, but but no, I mean, I'm sure they're really serious about it because this is a, this is image for them.
0: All right, Amal, thank you for coming on board to talk about the shit that came out of um, Pauline Hanson's mouth. <laughs> but just, uh, I guess, if I may uh, add one point, is that this is the very same person who, I think, in 2017, walked into the Senate wearing a burqa and then took it off just to prove a point how burkas could be a threat to national security. Um, yeah, so oh this my is God. that same person. Yeah, that's a Okay,
1: so, <laughs> so not yeah. much to yeah. expect that's not
0: take her from seriously this person,
1: really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. All right, man. You uh, stay out All of right. shit in Bali.
1: Shit's way. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, out of Bali, but we do remain in Indonesia, where arguably the biggest news story over the past month has been about the murder of this cop. Now, this story is not huge because of that. It's because it appears that a police general actually ordered the hit on this cop, who is also his bodyguard, Mm. and there was a lot of cover-up.
1: Man, the plot thickens.
0: Exactly. So what happened uh, just a little over a month ago, police brigadier Nofrian Shah Joshua I think we refer to him by his middle name, Joshua. He's found dead in the home of the police general. He's like the internal affairs chief uh, who goes by the name Ferdi Sambo. And he had like bullet wounds in, in, in his body, right? Several bullet bullet wounds. And police then, in their early press briefings about, the, about his death, they said that Joshua had walked into the room of Sambo's wife and molested her, threatened to kill mm. her. But then when he got out, another one of Sambo's bodyguards, another cop, kind of confronted him. And then so happened the shootout in which Yoshua was gunned down, but the other cop was like, escaped without a single scratch. Right? Right. So, but then... Days later, the Yoshua's uh, family was like, but no, hang on a minute. Are you sure that's exactly what happened? Because we saw stab wounds in Joshua and other discrepancies, right? And then they exhumed his, his body. Oh, and shit. Lo and behold, yeah. there are so many discrepancies with, with the police's account of what initially happened. On top of that, there was like missing CCTV evidence, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, fast forward a month later, this week, the National Police named Ferdi Sambo a suspect in the case and he's been charged with premeditated murder of Joshua because apparently he allegedly ordered his murder now we don't know why police haven't okay. established the motive and they, like the the sexual assault angle hasn't been exactly ruled out yet mm-hmm. but he ordered one cop to shoot Joshua dead but then this cover up apparently involved up to 31 cops
1: That is um, a really huge cover up.
0: Yeah. And like they helped uh, they helped out Faraday and uh, Sambo, rather, in so many ways, like eradicating CCTV footage and all sorts of stuff. And we're looking at possibly the biggest murder case, probably of all time in Indonesia, at least in terms Damn. of coverage, because it's been relentless. It's been all about this story.
1: But do we know whether the rest of the cops? like who were found to be complicit in the act, were they charged with other charges as well?
0: Um, We know that the cop who actually shot Yasua under Sambo's orders, he's been charged with murder, but not premeditated Mm. murder. Only premeditated murder carries the death penalty. There was another cop who is the wife's personal aide who was also charged with premeditated murder. We're not exactly sure what role he played. Right. Um but yeah this is this is still developing a, m- a month on and like I'm I'm eager to see what actually unfolded inside that house right now we don't know and of, of course the biggest question right now is motive we don't know as the recording time what the motive for this 28 year old cop's murder was he's he was very young Joshua by the way 28
1: damn I mean like I don't know what the motive is but you know there's never I feel like there's never a good enough motive to really kill somebody and that's just such a waste of a young life. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, wow, like that's such an explosive story coming out of Indonesia and we'll definitely keep tabs on that. Okay, so from depressing news in Indonesia, we go on over to Hong Kong where in slightly more positive news, uh, Hong Kong is set to cut the COVID nineteen quarantine for arrivals to three days, starting on August twelve. So officials it's say that fine. they're easing. I know, but yeah, so they're easing the city's strict travel restrictions in order to help it regain its international competitiveness while still keeping the virus in check. So chief executive John Lee said that the mandatory COVID-19 quarantine period in designated hotels will be reduced from the current 7 days to 3 days but and there is a bit bit of a but inbound travelers will still need to undergo medical surveillance at home or in hotels for four more days after the quarantine uh-huh. Which means that they will have limited access to public venues as governed by a traffic light style health code akin to the one used in mainland China. So, yeah, pretty much if you're thinking of traveling to Hong Kong, you're looking at a total of, I mean, I guess you're still looking at seven days ish. Yeah, Yeah, of of having to keep your shit in check. Yeah. And if if you have
0: to pay hotel for a hotel in Hong Kong, that's.
1: Exactly. Heavy. That is really heavy. Yeah. No. Yeah, so uh, John Lee said that while we can control the threat to our public health, we also want to ensure that the society can have the maximum degree of economic and social activities so that the society can go about as normal as possible and the competitiveness of Hong Kong can be maintained. Maybe for like business travelers then who have like important business to deal with in in Hong Kong or, you know, people who can just afford it. But yeah, I'm not sure about like people looking at short term travel. But mm. yeah, I mean I guess this is some somewhat of a step in step in the right direction. So yay! Mm-hmm. Hooray for Hong Kong. You know who could and... probably
0: afford a trip to Hong Kong right now? Who? Somebody who just spent ten days in Singapore.
1: Ah, I knew it. Oh my god. <laughs> I knew this was coming for me. I mean, come on, be nice to the girl who ended up getting COVID, <laughs> like, I, brought, like I, I I, forgot to bring anything else back home except COVID because that'd be the rule. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> anyway, we're going to Coconuts, Bangkok, where Milk, Coconuts, Bangkok reporter, published this really awesome feature story called Women Fight, historic Bout KO Band at Thailand's oldest Hawaii Thai stadium. And uh, mm, thanks awesome. thanks to Coconuts Bangkok reporter Nikki for teaching me how to pronounce the name of the stadium. It's called Rajan. Damn it! It's called <laughs> Rajadam Nern, Rajadam Nern Stadium. It's the world's first Muay Thai stadium, and it recently Ooh. saw a change more significant if less obvious than its Nazi makeover, when it ended a 77 year prohibition on women boxers.
1: Oh, so wow. Is really awesome. That is historic. Damn. Yes. Wow, so so Milk years.
0: followed um, this 19-year-old fighter who speaks to, to Milk about just what the just how much the fight means to her and all female fighters. Because as we all know, Muay Thai, it's in the name, right? It's absolutely entrenched in Thai culture. It's huge. Thing. Right. It's not just a male sport. Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of women are really, really into white Thai, whether as a spectator or as a participant. And this is obviously a really important step in the right direction for, you know, equality in sports. And uh, yes. I do urge you to, everybody, to um, go over to Coconuts Bangkok and read about this venue.
1: But yeah, I mean, it gets crazy that we still have gendered spaces in this day and age. But, you know, I mean, I guess better li- than never for Rajadamnern
0: Damner Yeah, you did it.
1: Yay! Okay, so from Wai Thai, we go on over to Coconuts, Manila, where, once again, politics rears its absurd head. Where um, a senator... Uh, basically, so there's this guy. He's a super-duper-duper huge actor in the Philippines. His name is Robin Padilla. And he just won as center in this year's elections. So now um, he's been talking about how, you know, the traffic is really just horrible, right? But he thinks that he finally has the solution to Metro Manila's worsening congestion problems, and it's in cable cars. Cable cars
0: as in those things that hang in the air.
1: Honestly, it was never made clear. I mean, we can only assume like it could be the things that hang in the air, which is what a fair share of people believed. Or it could also mean like, you know, those, those cute little um, train things that run across San Francisco.
0: Like streetcars.
1: Yeah, like streetcars. But yeah, but, mm. but basically he did say that he thought that it was a suitable solution, uh, especially in Metro Manila because of the traffic. And pointed out the obvious by saying that poor traffic conditions lead to the country's inadequate development and that a strong transportation system can help address the problem. But although he did not offer any other details regarding his suggestion, social media raised doubts about its feasibility and said things like, you know, basically pointed out that, you know, cable cars aren't really something that you ride. For main transportation, especially when you're dealing with yeah. Exactly, and when you're dealing with the subpar transportation to begin with, right? I mean, like, even if it were like the the San Francisco kind. Sure. Yeah. And people and basically people pointing out that, you know, like like isn't this infrastructure mostly for tourists because it runs so slow? Why don't people just organize more bus services and offer more routes or expand the current train system that we have? Because you know, apparently we haven't really maximized enough of that in Manila. So, but that said, it seems that the senator may find itself an, an ally in no less than the Department of Transportation, who did say that the idea of cable car transport system may not be as far fetched and said that it was already being used worldwide as a mode of transport in Brazil and Colombia. And Yeah, so they're conducting a feasibility study. I know. And said that it could be, it could be feasible and serve or fill gaps not served by road or rail sectors.
2: But I don't know the idea of like,
1: I don't know. A feasibility study? I know, exactly. You're going
0: to waste I-9 money on this?
1: I know, I know exactly, but like, wouldn't that be so hilarious though? Like the idea of like the hanging cable cars just going around the city, like with the trains going around, looking like the jets.
0: Yeah. Good luck setting up the infrastructure for that, or for that matter, if he wasn't be talking about streetcars. Good luck, kind of carving out, you know, railways in the middle of the road already congested. I know
1: already. We don't even have fucking bike lanes.
0: Exactly. If you do get it up and running, streetcars, you know, what's to stop, like, other cars and other vehicles from, like, driving on that lane? Or ramming lane into it. Or ramming exactly. into it. And, and it's going to be stuck in traffic. You're just going to have these massive things stuck in traffic. Because, yeah. yes, Jakarta went through something like this once, um, but it was to do with an exclusive lane for buses. Uh, oh. That created a whole host of other problems, but... Eventually, at least in like the commercial um, center of the city, and and like thanks to strict law enforcement, eventually those lanes are clear of other vehicles. But yeah, it, it, it's not it's not it's easy as it sounds.
1: Sorry, the geniuses we vote into office. Yeah.
0: What would you say is the solution to Manila's insanely ridiculous traffic? That
1: guy said it perfectly. I mean, like, I think that there should be an overhaul of public transportation system. I mean, like, you can't just be randomly introducing shit and just be like, oh, ta-da, we have a new thing. Like, the entire system needs to be thought of. Because I'm not sure if you know, but the train... So currently, we have something like... Maybe like four train systems going across Metro Manila and its surrounding areas, right? So we have, like, the MRT... We have two LRT lines and then we have the Philippine National Railway. So that makes it four. But none of these are directly like so it's not like if you needed to cross to another line, it's not simple as go from platform A to platform B. Some of them won't Mm. be directly connected to each other or you'd have to go all the way around, like, I don't know, cross the other highway or something just to get to the other Station. So imagine how much of an inconvenience that is to everyday commuters trying to get around and I don't blame tourists even for not wanting to go to Manila just because they couldn't sort out, you know, public transport. So things like those, you know, start with things like those, like trying to make things more seamless.
0: Yeah, I think integrated start for sure. I mean, I mean, that's like decades of bad planning for you.
1: Exactly. So no Robin this can't be solved by freaking cable car.
0: Okay, let's move uh, to somewhere with better public transportation systems and I am of <laughs> course talking about Singapore. But we are not <laughs>
2: wow, we are
0: not thanks. gonna talk about the MRT or whatever the subway. No, the story out of Singapore is about road fury Geylang. As somebody who's just been to Singapore, you know what Geylang is, right?
1: I do. It's it's where the seafood place is that you kept telling me about that I never ended up going to.
0: Right. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but it's as ghetto as Singapore can get, Geylang.
1: Oh my god! Okay. But
0: like, but like, it's still a a lot nicer than some parts. Right, because this is Singapore we're talking
1: about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So this boiling wow. woman was nearly run over by a frenzied fellow. And there was a video of uh, these, this heated altercation in the streets of Gaylang, which ended with a driver using his car to push a woman out of his way as she vented her anger on his mirror. Oh, man. Oh my Just, God. I don't know what it is. Like, we've, had some, we've had a lot of road fury stories out of Singapore, don't we?
1: I know. Like, what is it with you guys? Like, dude, you're,
0: you're, you're like the most orderly country slash city, state, whatever. But some exactly. people are just so angry in Singapore. We're here and, you know, we don't have good public transportation, but, you know, we're happy people generally. But we're anyway. all, like, <clears throat>
1: freaking chill. Maybe it's the yeah. it's a First World thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. So, footage of the furious duo shows a woman arguing and pointing at the driver of a black Mercedes who retaliates by screaming into her face. Ah! Their reason for their quarrel was unclear and their identities are unknown, but some shade over nationality was definitely thrown. And we can no. hear the man shouting in Mandarin, This is Singapore, not China. Wow. This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shots fired. Anyway. Yeah, as, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Singapore is no stranger to episodes of Road Fury with a similar May incident at a school where a Bentley driver tried to run over a security guard. I mean, if you could afford, you know, one of the most expensive cars in the world, but you can not buy yourself um, some self-respect or dignity, whatever. Class. Anyway. I don't know. Class. Class. Thank you. And then uh, there was the very angry woman who tore a license plate from a van and yeeted it last month. Oh, this was the one in which she became like a meme. Um, I
1: know. uh, That was
0: sad. That was really sad. It's really memorable though.
1: Which was so funny, by the way, um, because I met up with um, with a gang, right? With the Coco gang when I was in Singapore last time. And then Carolyn was like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't take you to the places that I keep writing about. (laughs) So so she was expecting me to somewhat like expect that there would be like just random angry people around just being all road ragey and shit. But no, nothing for the books. Nothing to write home about. So yeah. Okay, so from weird road rage news, we go over to KL where apparently a lot of or (laughs) one third of Malaysian youths Apparently, believe that using two condoms is safer than one. And
0: I'm thinking two is better than one. Guys, what?
1: come on. So, apparently, somebody or a group of teens in KL needs some talking to. Because results of a survey released by Durex revealed that more than one-third of Malaysians think that using two condoms during sexual intercourse is safer than one. But that is crazy because, as we all know, not only is it less pleasurable, it's also less safer. <laughs> like, you guys, don't double bag. So, yeah, in its second sexual health and intimate wellness survey, Durex Malaysia revealed that out of the one thousand eighty nine youth survey, thirty five percent believed that this was indeed the case, and was a fifteen percent increase from the twenty sixteen survey, which means people be dumber about sex <laughs> in KL now, <laughs> guys. Okay, ah, oh. okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. okay let me ask you this: thirty
1: years no. old. Okay, okay, okay. Fine.
0: Mm. I don't have a vagina, obviously. But okay. as a penis heaver, I could sure. confidently say that to like double bagging, as you put it, uh, would rob me of all sensation, right? Yeah. But but okay. as a woman, wouldn't double bagging kind of, in a way, increase the girth of the instrument and make it no! more pleasurable pres- pres- for women? No.
1: Um. Imagine a hot dog in your mouth, right? You've eaten a hot dog before.
0: (laughs) No, I I don't think I'll ever escape this image, but no, keep going, keep going.
1: Then try putting two condos on top of the hot dog. That's exactly what it is. It's neither bigger nor is it more pleasurable, right? Like you're like, yeah, that's exactly how I'm going to put it.
0: No, but my point is the circumference of the hot dog would get bigger. Plus the two condoms would be greater than just the the sausage, Right, rubber. It's it doesn't do
1: much. I mean, I don't think the 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 hot dog feels much bigger in your mouth once it's there and it has two condoms on, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So like it's not a good idea for anybody because that shit's gonna dry you out.
0: I wonder what sex ed is like (laughs) in Asian schools, because please enlighten us with more results from the survey
1: yeah so apparently this result is split in half so this is 40 percent male and 52 percent female believe this from ages 18 to 30 yeah, and said that 31% of the respondents were unaware that a woman can become pregnant after her first sexual encounter and that more than 30% of them believe that a woman cannot become pregnant while menstruating. So 22% okay. also believe that mosquitoes can transmit an STI. Well, 23% think that HIV can be transmitted through a toilet seat. Uh, okay, but yeah. in sad in news... believe that it is shameful to get tested for an STI and would rather not get tested. While 40% subscribe to the myth that STIs are only transmitted through penetrative sex. (sighs) People. I don't know. How did you educate yourself about sex before you became? I had sex
0: at uh, grade seven.
1: Oh, you had sex at in your bougie international school. Okay, okay. Good to know. British
0: school. And uh, if, oh I may commend, if I may commend, if I that school of mine, it was in the Middle East, right? And you would expect it to be fearmongering in a way, Old right? But it wasn't at all. Right. Yeah, it was not at all. They we they taught us sex in a in a very positive manner. Mm. In um,
1: nice,
0: it's not it's not something to be feared. Uh, but here are the precautions, blah blah blah. These are STIs. These are STDs. You should be aware of them. But obviously they'd never tried to turn us away from sex because it's it's a human need, basic need. For sure. Um, in my school, there was not a single case of teen pregnancy when I was there, like throughout the
1: wow. however many
0: years I was there. Wow. It's, the, it's that kind of progressive um, education that I guess people were having sex then, but they were you know respected enough. And then they became responsible enough to know how to uh, perform sex sex. Yeah, yeah. unlike yeah. certain other schools who may that may be conservative, but we know that they had a bunch of teen pregnancy cases unlike us.
1: Oh so, man, yeah. I never had sex ed just saying I never had it. But I did sneak out a lot of Cosmo magazines. <laughs> When I was younger, yeah. so that was, I know that was, that was responsible really for my, for my sexual education. And that's where I became like the guru of sorts to my friends. Because oh, so I these were like accurate. Cosmo. This yeah. is Cosmo, right? I mean, like you're mm. getting information about STDs, SDIs. I mean, like they're the empower women, but you're also but like beside that are like, all these other Kama Sutra positions. So can you imagine the kind of sex that I was giving my friends? (laughs) Yeah, I know. So thanks, Cosmo. So yeah, guys, uh, to end, don't double bag. Practice safe sex. Get tested. And yeah, that's all the time that we have for this podcast. We'll see you again same time next week. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a CoCo Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co.
1: Advertise with our in-house agency grow. Fast. Funny. Digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grow.
0: Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you.
1: What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in, or curious about, Southeast Asia and Hong Kong.
0: What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andre Nasri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian C.